Hi, this is Dr. Lewis Marcos, author of C.S. Lewis for Beginners, and you're listening to Pints with Jack. It had ceased to be Malacandra. It was only Mars. This is Pints with Jack, Season 6, Episode 31, Out of the Silent Planet Retrospective. Welcome, everyone. Here on Pints with Jack, we're reading our way through the works of C.S. Lewis. I'm David, and I'm joined by my co-hosts Matt and Father Andrew. And this season, we have found ourselves among the stars, reading through the first of C.S. Lewis's science fiction trilogy, Out of the Silent Planet. But we are now back on Earth and at the end of the book. So today we're having a retrospective, looking back on the book as a whole. (laughs) We might go a little longer today, but I'm not sure. But either way, I'm planning on limiting my Batesian rigidity just a little bit. <laughs> Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Well, better now that there's no Batesian or less Batesian rigidity. <laughs> <laughs> no. I said slightly less. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, I just watched Nefarious. Mm-hmm. It's challenging. I want to watch it multiple times. I would highly recommend it. It. I didn't know what to expect. I was just told it's like a slightly in, not inspired by per se but slightly similar to screw tape letters a demon talking and you kind of hear about how they operate and think but what i really liked was it really seemed to create an argument because i've always wondered like why would the demons do what they do or satan's not be compelled hmm. by god or truly turn away and do what he did knowing that god is real mm-hmm. and they gave a really good argument i felt like from the free will perspective that seemed satisfactory and then went to all these other arguments so i'll leave it at that but it was it really toyed with my mind the ending inspired me to realize there's a battle going on and just remind of the spiritual battle and it did not come across christiany um, <laughs> it, in my opinion it didn't so anyways, that, that's not the point of this episode. Hmm. I think a C.S. Lewis podcaster should probably interview the writers and directors of that show. And <laughs> Yeah, listeners. And uh, go into a time machine and then, oh, wow, there it is. Literally, guys, I this is actually a good plug to go check out the Pines with Jack YouTube channel. We do not talk about that enough. If you haven't, if you used to go in the past and you've just kind of stopped going, maybe you just weren't drawn to it a year, year and a half ago, David has done these half pints there that are... Equally as high quality of conversations that could be thrown out to this feed, but he he does them there. And so there's an incentive to go check that out, guys. I didn't know he interviewed the directors of this. I'm literally geeking out about this film. I tell David I'm geeking out about the film. He subtly sends a text of his interviews with them. <laughs> and I'm just, I literally just throw a hand to my face like I am an idiot. There we go. Well, no worry. It's not how or when, but the fact that we got there, I think, is the encouraging part. <laughs> That's the story of my so. life. <laughs> well, today is the 16th of June when we're recording this, and this marks my exactly one-year anniversary for my starting at Church of the Messiah. And so I'm settling in quite nicely, and um, it's just it's great. We've got some some wider opportunities. We have a new bishop in our diocese who uh, values my work on Lewis. And so um, there's lots of fun things going on. In fact, I'm meeting a Canadian friend, priest friend for a pint soon. And we're going to talk about maybe doing an Advent series um, uh, on Lewis. Hmm. So lots of fun stuff. Um, and just kind of settling into my first summer without a summer vacation in I don't know how long. <laughs> um, so no huge <laughs> trips planned or anything so that's uh, come to chicago i will hang out i'm hoping i'm hoping to maybe in august uh, get to the wade center mm-hmm. so you've also got your diaconate anniversary coming up in a couple of weeks oh you know what that's true yeah the 25th mm-hmm. so yeah nine days week and a half probably two days after this is released okay so ding <laughs> ding ding <laughs> and today is also the solemnity of the sacred heart of jesus which means for Catholics, we can have meat today. So I just enjoyed a lovely hot dog. So I am ready to go. Ah, fantastic. We have one new person to thank at the end. I think Ooh. you're both going to really like it. Ooh. I have no idea who to expect. <laughs> exactly. Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Uh. <laughs> What's everyone drinking today? Ah, That's a good question. <laughs> My answer is great. This is our retrospective. I love this episode. This is when we get to talk about themes and just be off script to some degree. So, and celebrate the season. Thus, I am drinking McAllen 18. Ooh, 
All right. Uh, I am drinking my super expensive thanks to uh, thanks to Bud um, from the the whiskey shop on Turrell Street and Ashley who attended me so well there. Uh, drinking my first edition Ola eleven year old single cask, um, and so this is my most precious Scotch, and uh, I am enjoying that, and I'm also enjoying. Uh, just some kind of random American ale that I got at Aldi. So double fisting today. Well, for me, it's Wisconsin Represent. I'm drinking a new Glarus. Uh, this is one I haven't had before. Road Slush. Huh. They always have very fun names. Road Slush? Yes, Road wow. Slush. Is that a beer? Oh, that's a beer. So yes. So no scotch for you today. We'll hold down the scotch. No, nope. no. Uh, someone has to represent the pints. <laughs> yes. And I thought today we would toast in a foreign language one last time. Mm -hmm. So this is the toast. Ye via sanon. Any idea what language that is? Oh, so I was thrown by the je. Same here. Ye via sanon. Is that Portuguese? No. M Matt, any guess? Ye via. It's, it's, it's a romance language. I know that much. Certainly strongly influenced. Yeah, because I would I would have I would have done the J with an H in via, so it's definitely you know, not Spanish. Um, yeah, via. But Sanon that means health. Yeah, I don't know. The answer is Esperanto. Oh <laughs> wow! What's wow. that? Wow! Oh, it's a made up language. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, attempt in the kind of thirties, forties, or something. Um, to kind of make up one language from all of the languages. And Tolkien was a huge fan. Tolkien spoke Esperanto and wrote was. it and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this makes me feel better too when I said, what's that? I was like, this is going to be one of those where I look really dumb because I don't know what this is. Now I feel so much better. It's a made up language. <laughs> yes. You're just young. That's the, that's the only reason that you didn't know what Esperanto was. Yes. Yes. Well, our, we're toasting today David J. Savage, one of our top tier Patreon supporters. David, as this summer rolls into uh, its its fullness, may you find uh, some rest and, and recreation in the true sense of that. May your spirit be refreshed by the time that you get away, uh, hopefully with, uh, with people that you love. And uh, we thank you as we look back at the year. We thank you and all of our top tier supporters. So, yay via sanon. Ye vie sanon. Ye vie sanon. Oh, that was a good one. Oh, that is so good. This is my first class of 18 probably since the last time I had it on the show. Probably a couple months ago. Mm. Oh. I've had nothing to celebrate. <laughs> Nothing's going good in my life except well. Pines with Jack, so this is why I get to drink that. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. I'm kidding, guys. Well, I thought we'd kick things off with a little bit of a quiz. A language quiz oh. is what I put in the show notes. Ah. And so you might be expecting that I'm going to test you guys on Old Solar, but I'm not going to do that. Throughout this season, we have been toasting in different languages. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to see how much attention you guys have paid uh, by testing you on those languages. And the way we're <laughs> going to do it is this. We're going to take it in turns. And you can either go for a one-point answer, in which case I will say cheers in the language and you just identify the language, or you can go for a two-pointer and I will give the language and you have to say cheers in that language. It's mm. all great to you... me, David. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, I'm going to give you uh, the opportunity to choose who goes first. I mean, let's just get the pain out of the way. I'll go first. <laughs> okay. Question one. Oh, actually, do you want to guess the language, or do you want to try and say it in the language? Let's let's just try to get a point on the board. Let's just get a point on the board first, so you know. <laughs> Give me the easy way. Okay. Iwilij Jakjaj. Oh, can I buzz in? No. 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 <laughs> we should just have Taylor cut out all the long pauses as we think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this Star Trek? Hang on. <laughs> oh. Is that your final answer? Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yes, I prepared for this one. All right. So Matt has one point. Andrew, would you like the language 
or the word? Oh, uh, I think I'm going to go for the language as well. Okay. Slange. Oh, yes. So that would be Irish. Final answer. Oh, well Yay. done. Andrew, I did not know that. <laughs> Although it's written slainty. Yes. <laughs> Matt, which would you like? Word or language? We got to go the probabilistic route. Just keep the one pointers coming. It's a very low probability I get a two pointer. I think that's slow and steady and a, a good choice. Okay. I'm playing to win. <laughs> Saude. Oh. Ooh. Oh, this is going to make me so mad. Is it Greek? Dang it. <laughs> it is Portuguese. Oh. Ah. That would have been Andrew. one of my six guesses. <laughs> um, can I go for the actual word, but play my make it an easy one card? <laughs> I can't tell you if this next one is an easy one or a difficult one. Okay, I'll just I'll just take the language then. All right, tell you what, shall we just say I'll, I'm going to give you the language for all of these. Okay, none of, none of you are being brave. I'll I'll give you that. I'll give you that unless you tell me otherwise. Okay, so santé. Oh, santé. Uh, so that would be f French. That was going to be my guess. Final answer. Yeah. Oh, I would have yeah. got that one. This is so painful. <laughs> There's not many I'd get. David, give me the hard way. Let's go to two-pointer. I need to catch up. Okay. <laughs> I'm already in a hole. Okay, Matthew. <laughs> what is cheers in Romanian? <laughs> oh, Germany would have been better. I'd been like, prok, prost. <laughs> Isn't that prost? You might be giving Andrew an answer to his next question. Who knows? Oh, that's so brutal if that's the next one. Um, Romanian, I mean. Ogbati. <laughs> I just made something up. <laughs> it is Norok. Oh. Oh, I knew it was going to sound like Pros. I mean, they're just kind of similar languages to some degree. Okay. Andrew is leading with two points. Andrew, what is Okay, Chibre? I'll take the language. <laughs> he thinks it's the German one. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing it until I get that one. <laughs> okay. What is cheers in Turkish? Oh, uh, no clue. Zero guess. <laughs> I'm using that one when someone doesn't even have an answer. It is sharafe, which means to honor. Well, and to my credit, I made my guess while I was bidding on a first edition. <laughs> David, I want the two-pointer, uh, and I want this to be German. Are you, are you sure? There's a good chance it's not going to be German. <laughs> yep. Are you, are you doubling down? Yep. Okay. I'm in the hole, man. I'm on tilt. Okay. How does one say cheers in Thai? Chisai. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give you a point for that one, because you really tried. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? It... It is Chon Kao. Okay, that was yeah, not know. bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say uh, for that, you're now neck and neck. <laughs> All right, I'll play it safe. Oh, this would have been the one mm. to possibly uh, go for uh, multiple okay. points on. I'll go the language. No, no, it's too late. It's too late. <laughs> Salud. Oh, <laughs> Salud, dinero y amor. Castellano. And the language? I said Castellano. <laughs> <laughs> that was in Spanish. <laughs> By the way, I won my uh, I won my first edition. Ooh, third printing. First edition, third printing, uh, British uh, first of the last battle for $73. Which episode with your, you doing live bidding? Yeah, coming <laughs> soon to an eBay site near you for twice as much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Matthew. Hajas. I think I know this. Hajas. 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 It's got to be another one of those like German type languages. 
I'm gonna have to push you for an answer. Mm-hmm. Croatia. It was from Game of Thrones, Dothraki. Ugh, wow. oh, okay. Dothraki. <laughs> okay, Andrew, the final couple of rounds now. Okay. I'm still going to play it safe. Okay. Konbai. Oh, that's got to be Japanese. Mm. Is that your final answer? Yes. Oh! It is Korean. Uh, I should have known with the K in it. I, got, I'm, 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 I think German's coming this time. I'm going for the two. <laughs> that's my only hope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Matthew, how do you say cheers in... Arabic. Oh. <laughs> um, h- hilal. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm something. almost tempted to give you a wait, point wait, for that. Wait, that means allowed. Halal. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Um, <laughs> if he gets a point, I get a point. I was really close to Korea. <laughs> h- hila, hila. Yeah, well, that's naming the country. It's harder to go the other way. Um, hija? Hijaj. <laughs> That describes the event when Muhammad went to Medina. Okay. <laughs> uh, it is Saha. Yeah, I was never going to get that. <laughs> okay, Andrew. Yes. Which would you like? I want to try. Uh, I want to try the language. How do you say "cheers" in Russian? Oh, I know this. Um. No. It's not "skol." But that's what I'm going to go for. It is Nazdarovia. Nazdarovia. You know what we should have done? Would have been a fun way to do this. You can steal the other person's points after they guess. I see. That's what I tried the first yeah. time. And he said no. Well, you can't cut in. You got to let the first person guess. But if they get it wrong, yeah, afterwards, it'd be kind of fun. Do you want to do that in the remaining rounds? Sure. Okay. Now, we should probably just do one more round. How far? How far am I behind? Is it like three to one or? Uh, yes, it's three. Three to two. Three to two. Yeah, no, I'll just go go for glory. You have one more each. Give me the two pointer. On the two pointer, Matthew. How do you say cheers in German? <laughs> <laughs> no. Frost. Wow. Yay. <laughs> now answer this honestly. Was that naturally coming up that I finally just hit it? Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Dang. Okay, Andrew. Matt is leading 4-3. <laughs> I'll just take the word. Well, actually, just to be fair, just because I want this to be really, truly fair. It's three. We'll do 3-3. Three, three. I don't get that fake point that I didn't actually get. 3-3, three, three, tied. Here's your chance to win it, Andrew. Nah. If you don't, we go to a final round. <laughs> no, no. Okay, no. It's 4-3. It's all right, well, three. then I'll, I'll go for it all. I'll go for the two. I'll go for the three-pointer. <laughs> <laughs> it is a two-pointer. I'll go for the Nikola Jokic three-pointers from the outside. How do you say cheers in Swedish, Danish, and Norwegian? Skål! Skål! Hey, well done. <laughs> well, that was beautiful. Thank you for indulging me. <laughs> Andrew, you should put like a disclaimer at the beginning of this that says, for the next nine minutes, if you love to hear Matt butcher languages... Listen, if you want to skip, just jump forward nine minutes. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Well, let's now talk about the book. Uh, We've kept as an open question whether or not Malacandra is, quote-unquote, fallen. Uh, But I want to give you guys an opportunity to offer your final thoughts on that question now that we've finished the book. So, is Malacandra fallen? Is it perfect? Imperfect? What do you guys make of that? I am now in the camp, after doing a little research on this, and then reading a couple of stuff that it is non-fallen. Okay. But I think I think to do it, um, there needs to be a definition of like what does fallen mean. Um, Say challenge of the define critical mind. Yeah. Yeah. Define yeah, and describe. Yeah, because just because. <laughs> there we go. Like does fallen mean there's not a single bent creature even on it? So let's use, for example, let's pretend it was non-fallen in Weston and Divine Come. Okay, so hang on. You haven't read Paralandra, but in Paralandra, the world is not fallen, but there is a non-fallen creature on it. Weston goes there. Well, that's exactly what I was about to say here. So I was going to say, like, right away, that kind of shows that having a non-fallen or a fallen creature on a non can be on a non 
fallen place. Yes. And so is the is the non-fallen more about the right relation of the Oyarsa, keeping it in relation with Melodil? Is that the definition of it? Is it I'm kind of in the camp that that could be it. I know they talked about how there were some bent influences in the past, but then it made it sound like Oyarsa near the end when uh, Oyarsa mentioned unbodying those individuals and correcting the others. Like Oyarsa has kept this in check whenever it's attempted to. Okay. And so also think about this. Um, entropy. Would entropy take place in a non-fallen world? Right? Because Malachandra is old and it's decaying and it's closer to the surface than it used to be. Yeah, I would say yes. And here's another question. If that's the definition for fallen that you're going with, that would mean that Earth had fallen prior to the fall of man because Satan fell first. Okay. Wait, no, no, no. Only I don't when see Satan how that, was controlling it, for my definition, when he got a hold of it, would it be fallen? So Satan could fall okay. first, but then. Yeah. And we don't know when he became the prince of the power of the air, when he became the OER. Well, he, let's see. It's generally regarded as a pre fall, pre humanic fall. Yeah, the fall happens. Well, no, I don't. It, I, that may be true, but why have, how have you fallen, O bright and morning star? Right? So did mm -hmm. he fall before the beginning of creation? And they're just using post-creation language for him to call him the bright and shining one, the, you know the, and so and but the, but wait a minute, no, <laughs> the angels are created as well, so it's a post-creation fall. Mm -hmm. And think about this too, from angels, these Oyarsis we're talking about, Satan, but also humans, we're all created with free will. Even when we're in heaven, we have free will. We just submit to surrendering our will to God's will. And we're in perfect communion with him. So you could see an earth created perfectly with no Satan influence, outside influence. And I would still imagine that that would be starting a perfectly non-fallen world. And then free will can still make people turn away. So at what point does that become fallen? Is it the people deviating? Is it the oyarsi of the place in right or wrong relation? I'm not really sure where that cutoff comes from, but do you know what I mean? Like even take Satan out of the picture, free will, a perfectly non-fallen world can eventually fall if it's not kept in check or compelled towards the proper orientation. Interesting. So I'm going to go the other way and I'm going to say that instead of asking whether or not Malachandra is fallen or unfallen, I'm going to say whether Malachandra is fallen more fallen or most fallen. And I think that- Or no fallen. I don't believe that it's unfallen. Present your case. And oh, here's some, here's some evidence. There are occasionally some, you know, some bent now on Malachandra, right? Like the- So the, is a definition of fallen automatically if there's a bent now? I would say so. Absolutely. There's sick because sickness is the thorn in the ground. Sickness is a result of the fall. So if there's let me ask you this. So if there's a singular fallen now and Oyarsi unbodies it and takes care of it, does it go from unfallen to or fallen to unfallen immediately? If there was no other no, ones? No, because be, killing killing the bent doesn't make it unfallen. It just fulfills its destiny. So I believe that Malachandra is fallen, but not as fallen as Earth. And I think that Malachandra is less fallen because Oyarsa of the uh, Malachandra, the Oyarsa of Malachandra himself remains unfallen. And so I think that Earth is more fallen than Malachandra is. But you can have a scenario. I don't think this logically adds up, to be honest, at least how I'm understanding it so, so far. So you could have all of these free will creatures that are non-fallen, but due to free will, a couple of them become bent. Even without outside influence, in theory, you know, Satan's wasn't due to outside influence. A free will creature can just turn away from God by definition if they so choose to. And so you could have all of these non-fallen creatures, one due to no evil outside influence decides to somehow deviate because they have free will and then 
they unbody that person right away and you see you're back to this original no. state. See, because in heaven, technically speaking, we all could deviate from Christ if we really wanted to. Sure, but but you're imposing not only the soteriology of earth, but you're also imposing free will. So you think there's not free will? I'm no no no, that I'm I'm saying that the issue is an is a it's a non-starter. So here's what um here's what the conversation between Hyoi and and Ransom have. Do you say, Hyoi, that there are no bent hrosa? Hyoi reflected. I have heard, he said at last, of something like what you mean. It is said that sometimes here and there, a cub of a certain age gets strange twists in him. I have heard of one that wanted to eat earth. There might perhaps be somewhere a, na- a hros, likewise, that wanted to have the years of love prolonged. I have heard of something stranger. There is a poem about a hros who lived long ago who saw things all made two, two suns in the sky, two heads on a neck. Um, and so he de- he desired two, um, two mates. So if it is an unfallen perfect world, where do these imperfections come from? I guess my whole point is I'm not sure the definition of imperfections is the fallen state. Because here it says where else this. Would they Let come me read from? you this at the end. He would have <laughs> he would have made them as your people are now, wise enough to see the death of their kind approaching, but not wise enough to endure it. This is from Oyarsa. Bent councils would soon have risen among them. They were able to have made sky ships, but my maladil stopped them. Some I cured, some I unbodied. He speaks as if he kept that unfallen influence away from Melacandra. So I, I do agree there was definitely influence coming in, attempting to. And Ayarsa really speaks as, I kept it out, I stopped it, we're in right relation with Maladale. I would say as a whole. Yeah. Because my view on this is the question of more of a federal headship. Mm-hmm. When Adam fell, in him we all fell, just as in Christ when he's raised to the Father, so will we. For me, it's the question of that Aboriginal, the original sin, or whether or not something happened further down the line. Because there's definitely fallenness in Malacandra. Andrew read the passage where we know that these sorts of things happen. But whereas the event in human history happened right at the beginning, it seems to be later in Malacandrian's history when our Oyasa, when Satan, went to Malacandra and started trying to twist them as well. And then the Oyasa of Malacandra then purged yeah. his planet of that chief infection. So to me, going to what well, you're David, it sounds like with Earth and like what I would argue is fallen, is there's an inherent bentness that needs to be recovered? Where here there was an external influence for sure. Few times some rays pushed through, but there isn't an inherent fallenness. There's just some ex- exogenous things that have been rooted out. But not entirely, because these things still happen. It just seems like the wound isn't as isn't as deep as it is with humanity. Could you? I would actually probably say there's not a wound at all. It's if without the exterior influences, it wouldn't happen. A wound t- t- suggests, but it does happen because Hoy says that these things do happen, and we assume that Satan isn't allowed on Malacandra. But they do talk about influences coming in still and attempting to. So I guess my point is, it doesn't sound endogenous from the language I'm reading. It sounds exogenous. Indigenous. Okay. Which I think is a big distinction. Okay, but but wait a minute. Even if Satan is the Oyarsa of uh, Earth, of Thulkandra, then even still, that's an outside influence coming in. Mm-hmm. So the fallenness of Malakandra happens exactly the same way the fallenness of the Earth does. But it's part of the hierarchy of Thulkandra. He is the Oyarsa. Like he is the one of it. Yes, which is why Malachandra is less fallen. Going to David, he talked about Adam being the original one. So all offspring are rooted from the fall. But all offspring are not necessarily rooted for the, from the fall because um, Satan comes in and, and Adam had a choice. And so the original Malachandra or uh, the original Thulchandra is not Thulch at all. It's not silent. And until the fall... Um, and the curse for the ground comes with the curse of Adam. So what's the fall for, you kind of described it as until the fall, which I agree. So now it kind of sounds like 
there needs to be a fall. What I'm saying is that I think Malachandra is fallen, but fallen in a different way and fallen in a lesser degree. And we'll find this when we read Paralandra because there the rule is not don't eat from the tree. There in Paralandra, the rule is don't sleep on the fixed island, which seems like an arbitrary rule, right? And so um, things work spiritually different. The great thing about this, whether or not we uh, we we come to a, a resolution or an agreement, is I think that this is exactly the kind of argument that would have been happening at the eagle and child. Well, fortunately, we have an authority that can speak to this because <laughs> okay, Matt, in a <laughs> flurry of work, went to the definitive source of all answers. Matthew, would you mind sharing what you've learned? Because I work in AI, in my regular job, I've been exploring ChatGPT and been blown away with the coding answers. Like listeners, if you guys ever want to do a, I think for our Patreon supporters, we're actually going to talk about AI in a, our next Patreon event. I have so many thoughts because I spend my life coding AI. The answers ChatGPT comes up with, with coding are astronomical. Something that took me a month to do with my employee, it did in 10 seconds. I mean, it's truly remarkable that the, the thousands of lines of code it can write immediately if you ask it. With that said, David's joke of this is the authoritarian source. It's not. Um, <laughs> but I was curious because I've, I've explored the existence of God, the resurrection, and it gives really wise answers going back and forth. But I will read what it said on this question. Melichandra, on the other hand, is not a fallen world like Earth. Its Oyarsa is in right relationship with Maladil the Young, a representation of Jesus Christ. The Melichandrian society reflects a harmony and innocence, largely absence of evil. And its inhabitants, the Harasa, Saroni, and Fifiltrigi, are living in obedience to the Oriarsa of Melichandra. So unlike Earth, Melichandra is not marked by the fallenness that characterizes human existence. However, it is important to note that Melichandra has been affected by the fallenness of Earth in the sense that the actions of the human characters especially Western and Divine, introduce elements of violence and deception that seem foreign to the Melichandrians. This reflects Lewis's broader theological view of how sin and brokenness can have a kind of infection quality, spreading and affecting even those who are themselves innocent. Yeah, but your own AI uh, defeats its own argument. It defeats the argument against fallenness in one word. That word being? The Malachandrian society reflects a harmony and in innocence largely absent of evil, but that does not mean completely absent of evil, which means that there is a presence of evil in there. And if there's a presence of evil, where did it come from? That doesn't necessarily mean fallen. That was kind of my point in the beginning of my argument. Okay. As long as it gets unbodied and you get back to it and it's not coming from the root source. Right. But here's my question. If Malachandra is unfallen, where did the evil come from? Free will. Technically speaking, couldn't I in heaven have the chance to do evil, but I don't? Well, okay, but if it's, if it's unfallen, free will would have always chosen the right. Technically, Satan in the beginning wasn't necessarily fallen. Like he, he chose, it wasn't God instilled a fallen. I'm not talking about Satan, I'm talking about Malachandra. But he deviated without some influence, just free will chose to... Absolutely, but it's Satan's free will mm -hmm. that goes to Earth and then leads to the fall of Thulkandra. So Satan could reject God's will just naturally, but everyone else has to by being fallen. No, no, no. I'm saying that Satan fell and then he caused Earth's falling. So couldn't Earth have fallen without Satan technically? If Satan can fall due to just choosing to reject God's will, why did we, with the equal free will, need Satan? As soon as somebody in Malachandra uses their free will to choose against God, Malachandra is by its nature fallen. What if it's unbodied right away? It's not perfect. It sounds like at the end there, Oyarsa talks about it being unbodied pretty quickly. Yes, but to be unbodied is to pay the price of it. Well, I don't know about that. You can be unbodied and not be fallen. It's like saying if Adam and Eve happened and then Jesus came and then died on the cross for Adam and Eve, then earth would not be fallen. Right? The consequence for the fallenness. You have to say that again. <laughs> okay. So I kind of checked out because I feel like we're, we're not going to resolve this on air and we're going to end up, I have to leave obviously in about 20 minutes and we yeah. have a lot more to go. 
Well, I was going to bring in my Bratesian rigidity to pull this to a close, uh-huh. but we are going to be having a happy hour for our Patreon supporters in a couple of weeks. So maybe <laughs> we could pick this up there. I, I just sat back and just generally let you guys go for it because I think you're both making excellent points. I don't think that a Yarsa unbodying, I think that's paying the consequence for fallenness. And so he, you may you may have made the mess. It doesn't matter how much you clean up the mess. I'd, I'd be careful to say unbodying is a consequence of fallenness because you get unbodied if you don't fall. If you don't fall, you get unbodied. So if you don't fall, you get unbodied. <laughs> okay. That last point I definitely think is wrong. Okay. That was, that was my Bayesian rigidity kicking in. We will pick this up another time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Well, speaking of uh, lively back and forths, I actually also wanted to give you guys uh, an opportunity to speak to something else that might be ready for re-evaluation. And that's that now that we've completed the book, do you have any further thoughts on Ransom's dream at the beginning of the book? And you can simply say, your answer was the best, David. So that's great. <laughs> Let's move it on. What was your answer again? I actually don't remember your answer. I just worked it through saying that this is basically describing the adventure that Ransom's going to go go on. That while Western and Divine uh, force themselves into this other planet, uh, he uh, goes along unwillingly. Uh, he's torn between two worlds. I think we've already seen some of that already. There'll be more of that in the later books. That's why he has his wound. Uh, also, Ransom makes the use of language, and he's the first one in the dream to speak, and that this is what the story turns on, and that ultimately Western and Divine are returned back to the garden, in this case, Earth. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> I don't remember what you had said. I have a bunch of thoughts, but it was similar to that. I mean, it definitely sets the tone for what this book is going to be doing. I think I, I thought of the word perspective um, with it. David, I, I love that when you brought that in, hmm. um, the unfamiliar vulnerability and significance. Yeah. All the big themes are somewhat touched on. I think that the garden metaphor has a little to do with um, Jesus saying the one who climbs over the gate is the thief, mm-hmm. right? And the shepherd protects the gate. Um, and so they're trying to get into the garden. I think that there's a, an element of the garden of Hesperides and certainly the garden of evil and that or the, gar- the garden of Eden and that these guys are in some ways kind of misappropriating the garden like Jadis does at the end of uh, The Magician's Nephew. Which we will be discussing very soon. Yes, we will. Well, I had one more question before we do the themes and make Matt happy. Out of the Silent Planet is, among other things, an argument against planetary colonization. After reading it, do you think we should colonize other planets if we get the chance? I would say, what do you mean by colonize? Mm -hmm. I think that the motives have everything to do with it. And if the motives are still the same, that we would dominate a weaker species or exploit something that was exploitable um, at the cost of other people, um, I don't think that that colonization would be would be wise. Mm-hmm. I think that if we find a planet um, and it's uh, – and I don't know. I mean, what are the ethics of destroying the ecosystem of another planet if that's what we do, you know, or of manipulating another planet for its – you know, for its natural resources. Uh, maybe not. This will open up way too big of a conversation, but I think the key thing I'd be curious on, I agree with Andrew, you can't. There's very clear no's. The one that I'm always intrigued with is, what if it it's a planet, there's no inhabitants, we're able to, to just think of what Elon Musk is trying to do. And it ends up being done because of our planets dying. Is that inherently, is that going against God's will? Like there's, there's certain points where, you know, we're dying and we use medicine and a whole bunch of technology to keep us alive longer and longer and longer. So arguably we accept some degree of intervention to extend our life. Where is that cutoff of, okay, you can do that to a point, but then no more. Like we, we, I don't know what that is. I think we've all as a society kind of accepted what we do today with modern medicine, but as a, could you go to a humanity where God intended our earth to die at 3000 AD from some sort of thing? I'm curious there, or maybe it wouldn't have died at 3000, but our bad behavior has allowed it to die earlier and going across. I don't know. I feel like there's something there. That's a bigger philosophical question of overriding God's will versus life is a good thing, but only to an extent. Well, 
that will be something else we can talk about at the happy hour. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll just say, I think that if we are supposed to go extinct, to go extinct, there are worse things to happen in the world. Yeah, uh, I don't personally want to go extinct. Um, or maybe God allows us the technology not to go extinct. And I think that it's worth questioning the ethics of abusing a planet, even if there are no sentient life forms there. I took a whole semester of, of environmental ethics. And for me, the whole question boils down to what does it mean to have dominion and what does it mean to dominate? And I think that if we are exercising our, our spiritual uh, our, our natural, spiritually given, God-given right to have dominion. I think that most of those things are fine, but to dominate, I think I don't think is. Yeah. So I'm going to be at a no for now in the no for now camp. <laughs> well, let's move on to Matt's favorite topic, the main themes. What have been some of the main ones that you've seen in this season's reading of Out of the Silent Planet? Matt, do you want to kick us off? I want to start with, I'm just... I'm going to mention the space in heavens, but let's not really unpack that. I think that one we really hit a lot, and I think we're all pretty familiar with that. Mm -hmm. I wanted to start with the unbodying death. I I loved that theme of reorienting. Remember how it said that we've been instilled with the wisdom that we will die, the knowledge, but not the wisdom of how to die. And I thought that was a really profound statement near the end, and. <laughs> to some degree, <laughs> never mind. I was about to go back to the fallen, non-fallen thing. <laughs> I'll leave that aside. <laughs> um, so I, I really just loved that view of the right orientation towards death. And I liked actually the, the, the terminology unbody. It just is so profoundly different. I mean, I didn't know this until the very end that Lewis meant a lot of the themes to be this fear of death is, I mean, Uyarsa literally said your only mistake is your fear. I mean, that was his only like critique of, of ransom. And so how often in life, if we just reorient our brains and our, our worldview towards the proper eternal heavenly father and a relationship with him, we would, it would fix all of our problems. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, one of the themes, you know, from the beginning and that I still love is, and we just got through talking about it. What are the spiritual ramifications of space travel? right? Um, will we lose God in outer space? Uh, will we find God in outer space? And I was struck uh, on this rereading with how, how wisely and creatively, I think, Lewis explores um, what the implications are of our travel in space and that we are also kind of galactic, universal, you know, we are solar citizens. Um, I think that in some ways that was that was fairly prescient. Even some of the debates that we're entertaining now, um, I think, have have something to say about that. Hmm. And there was actually a really good conversation between Jordan from the Less Known Lewis podcast uh, and the host of the Inklings Variety Hour on Lewis's essay, Religion and Rocketry, where mm -hmm. Lewis tackles this question in much more plain terms. That's, mm -hmm. that's the looking at whereas the out of the silent planet is the looking along. Mm -hmm. mm, good. For me, I think the main thing I've got out of the book this time around has been about perception and shifting perception. Mm -hmm. In the book, we repeatedly hear stuff described from Ransom's point of view and how his vision slowly improves, both in the moment and also over the course of the book, as he learns to see things more clearly. And there is a line in The Magician's Nephew. Mm -hmm. Those of you who know it know exactly which one I'm thinking of, but I'll highlight it when we get Kristen on the show and we go through that book. And of course, once you start talking about vision and perception, what you see here at the beginning of Lewis's fiction is brought to full fruition at the end of Lewis's fiction in Far and Away, his best book, when he uh, deals with perception in... Till we have faces. 51 minutes. Dang. How's <laughs> mm. your scotch there, Matt? I've, I've already finished the 18. I'm on the 12. I only allow myself one glass of 18. It's too pricey. <laughs> Most people bring out the bad wine at the beginning, or the good wine at the beginning, and the bad at the <laughs> I end. I know. That is, that's, yeah. Yeah, stop being unbiblical, Matt. That's <laughs> <laughs> for my life. Do you have any other themes you want to highlight? Yeah, I'll, I'll only pick one more for time's sake. 
I'll, I'll quickly mention just to remind our listeners they can do it. Some of the bigger ones that we've talked about a lot were uh, humanity versus humans. We've already hit that home. Openness, curiosity, you know, ransom, very different, open to all of this unknown versus Western divine. But the one that I, I've, I'd highlight here that I really appreciated was the effects of sin and the, the effect that sin has on us fallen creatures, relationship to creation, to each other. I found that really beautiful. We saw the opposite, obviously, with the the three working in harmony, not being jealous. They each had their role. They accepted the role. If their role was to die early, that's fine. There was just a beautiful relation to nature, to creation. And so I guess it was just a stark contrast to the way I live and the way I see our world living versus the world that was presented by Lewis. Mm. You know, a non-fallen world versus a fallen world. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't help myself, Andrew. Just kidding. (laughs) Try. (laughs) (laughs) And that is related to what you said earlier about fear. And that would be my my second main theme that really jumped out at me in this rereading. It's fear that causes everything to go wrong. It's also Mm -hmm. fear that causes your your perceptions to be wrong. It's because Western mm-hmm. divine were afraid of Oyasa that they didn't correctly perceive his invitation. Even hearing this as we kind of talk about the contrasting between us following this from a fear, they don't have fear, we have fear, they don't have... Maybe I'm willing to accept in Andrew's framework a very, very close to non-fallen. Mm-hmm. Like on a scale of 100 being perfect and fallen being zero, they're like 97. I could accept that. So let me say then much less fallen than than Earth. (laughs) Because even as we talk right now, we're literally talking about they don't have fear, we do. We're talking in very binary. It seems like they're very close, at least. They do, and they, but they do have fear um, in Malachandra. And as we learn from the end of um, of Narnia, uh, when they're in Aslan's country for good, they can't feel fear anymore. and so, which leads me, in fact, to my one of my favorite lines in the book. Well, please share it with us. Uh, that's what I was going to talk about next. Because that's our next section. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's Yoy's uh, kind of funereal oration. Because I have stood there alone, Maladil and I, for even Oyarsa sent me no word, my heart has been higher, my song deeper all my days. Um but do you think that it would not have been so unless I had known that, that in Balki, the Henaric I dwelled? There I drank life because death was in the pool. That was the best drink save best of drinks save one. What one? said Ransom. English bitter, said Joy. No, wait. <laughs> um, death itself in the day I drink it and go to Maladil. Right? And so he's... He's, uh, it's the best drink because there's fear in the water. There's death in the water. And yes, until the day we all go to Maladil. Matt, what were some of your favorite lines? It's going to be a compilation of a paragraph and a half, but um, it's, it goes with the very first theme that I really love to death. He would have made them as your people are now, wise enough to see the death of their kind approaching, but not wise enough to endure it. So flip that around, you know, the key is to be wise enough to realize death, but also wise enough to endure it. And then I skip a bit and it goes, yes, but one thing we left behind us on the Harandra, fear. And with fear, murder and rebellion. The weakest of my people do not fear death. It is the bent one, the Lord of your world who wastes your lives and befouls them with flying from what you know will overtake you in the end. Like we literally know death is coming. And yet we're super afraid of it. We're trying to prevent this thing. It's coming. If you were subjects of Maladil, you would have peace. I think that really summarizes a death on body in a quote. Mm. Mm. You are both wrong. The best line in the book is, a pint of bitter, please. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that went without saying. That one was off the board because it's far and away the best. You know what, though? This would have been a good one. It is because every one of them wants to be little Oyarsa themselves, himself. Mm-hmm. That could be really the line of the book. Yeah. By the way, by saying that they left fear behind, that argues against your unfallenness because to have had fear at all is the quality of a fallen world. Maybe they were fallen they no longer are. And their redemption is different than the redemption here. Yeah. 
And they were fallen and redeemed before Malaldil, blessed be he, became now on our world. That could be. There's a lot that points to that difference. I can get behind they were more fallen to now much, much, much less, but I'm still not fully convinced yeah. they aren't not fallen now. But I do definitely agree there was a point. They aren't not fallen now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If I said those words right, but I think you guys know what I mean. Double negatives should not never be used. Exactly. Thank you. You understand me, Andrew. We're kindred spirit. (laughs) Well, let's wrap things up by talking about Malakandra at the movies. So each of us did some voice acting for Murphy Sullen's production of Out of the Silent Planet, starring his children and their friends. So I have this question. If this book was turned into a full Hollywood production, which actors Ooh. would you assign to each of the main characters? I think I got some good ones. Not Liam Neeson. <laughs> I didn't choose him for any. I actually did some research on this for Weston. <laughs> Sorry, hand. I need to pick myself off, off the floor. Okay, Karen. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I didn't come up with a singular one, but I had reasons for all of them. So Weston, I thought, Christopher Lloyd, the mad scientist kind of look from Back to the Future, hair going back. Mm-hmm. I was like, that kind of is what I picture of a Weston. Or potentially a Joaquin Phoenix because the Christopher Lloyd doesn't quite have the devilish side where I feel like Joaquin Phoenix can just play a mm. crazy, I'm thinking of the Joker, diabolical mm-hmm. type of scientist. I feel like that could be there. For Divine, so we're talking about a... A devilish, ruthless business person who has one thing in mind. I thought James McAvoy, mm, he, he like was that. in some M. Night Shyamalan movie. I was like, you know what? I could picture him. Um, he, he, well, and he was also Tumnus. Yes. Oh, I in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Well, there you go. Um, he's already filled The other one I thought actually came to me after I put James McAvoy was um, John Hamm from Mad Men, just like in the suit, just really super arrogant because Divine comes across as super arrogant and self-assured in the face of stupidity. All right, Ransom. I couldn't decide between Ransom. Ransom, you've got this kind of open, intellectually curious, slightly nervous professor type person. So I, I just thought of the Hawkins movie with Eddie Redmayne, a little bit Stephen Hawkins movie. But then I thought Robin Wood. He plays the young Dumbledore as well in, uh, was it Fantastic Beasts? Oh, yes. That guy? Yeah. Mm. Then I thought Robin Williams, Dead Poet Society. For Ransom? Yes. He has too much life in him. I'm, I, I, I've, I've liked all of your other ones. I'm not sure about Robin Williams. Uh, although he did play a good, a, a good old professor in uh, uh, Good Will Hunting. Or older. Professor. He also played. He, he's played a professor in a lot of them. He played Flubber in the Disney movie. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but it's not the same as Ransom. <laughs> I'm gonna jump in on Ransom here because my list. I what didn't... about Hugh Grant? Oh, no. He comes yeah. across more. There's got to be a little more steel. Okay, it needs right. to be a more. Steel I struck out on Ransom. I think for for Weston, <laughs> I would say either Martin Freeman or Benedict Cumberbatch. Ah. Interesting. But I would probably go with Martin Freeman. Yes. You could imagine him being a philology professor, you know, not that yes. interesting. And, and a little hesitant, but also growing, dimension. you know, yeah. growing with, yep. Like Frodo. So, oh, I think that for, uh, for Divine, I think, um, oh, shoot, uh, Snape. Oh, Alan Rickman? Yeah. Yeah, that could work. It's a shame he wouldn't be able to play him. But the yes. kind of sneering, I mean, he would have to be a little bit less one-dimensional than Snape. Mm. What, Snape is like the perfect Western slash divine. Like he's got the professor feel, but he's also got the devious divine feel. He's like the perfect blend of them both, actually. Yeah. Oh, we have so many conversations <laughs> that we, we could go on forever with some of these. Well, let me wrap this up with the correct answers, I my ones. Uh, <laughs> so for Weston, I, I thought you'd actually go with Kelsey Grammer, the guy that plays Frasier. I could see that. I could see that. If you've that. seen him in some of his recent shows, he, he plays uh, like a really nasty piece of work. Um, and he's also got the right build, I think. He's a little thicker set. Mm, I could see that. Mm-hmm. I actually have a, a few for each of these. So another Weston I thought was maybe John Reese davies and so that's the that's Gimli from Lord of the Rings. He was also the professor in Sliders, and he was also in Indiana Jones. Uh, I think yeah. he could he could make a pretty good Western, although he's a bit old now. Uh, one person who I actually think could could play several characters is actually Colin Firth. 
he was in Pride and Prejudice and Kingsman. So he's got range as an actor, and I could see him being a Western. He could be Ransom. That was the other one I had uh-huh. him down. As I agree with you. I can see it. It all depends with Ransom whether you want to do a younger Ransom and then have him age with the movies, or whether, you'll, whether you're just yeah. going to do a one-off out of the silent planet. And my last possible Western, he's been mentioned already, was, would be Benedict Cumberbatch from Doctor Strange and the Imitation Game. Another actor with some real range. I wonder about Weston. Um, what about Adam Driver? That could work. For Weston and or Divine. I was going to say, I could see them both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. He has a devious side. A um, little bit disheveled sometimes. Um, seems slightly too confident for the Weston. So I could see both though. I really can see characteristics in both Weston. Yeah, but kind of the, the old school tie sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. I could mm-hmm. definitely see both. And for my divine, I would also put down Benedict Cumberbatch. I think he could actually be a really, really good, smarmy, greedy, gluttonous character. But my favorite, I think I would say, would be Nathan Fillion. So that's the guy in Firefly uh-huh. and the TV show Castle. Because he plays cocky like nobody else and smarmy and wanting to schmooze people. Have you ever seen his, if listeners and anyone who hasn't, go look up his audition tape for smog in the hobbit oh wow he, yeah, yeah, he, yeah he talks about his he really wanted that and he really channeled it and you can see him play this i mean it's a really it's got millions and millions of views on youtube it's an <laughs> incredible audition it gained it made me gain a respect for him that was just like i mean i always thought he's incredible but i didn't realize just what went into that well i'll be sure to put that in the show notes so people can check that out but lastly my ransom I have Colin Firth, as I mentioned before, or, and this would, con- this would connect beautifully, Nicholas Ralph. Mm-hmm. So the guy that plays the young Lewis in Motion Locked and Convert and who's in All Creatures Great and Small, I think he could play a university professor very well. Uh, and he can then grow with the character until he becomes, well, I'm not going to spoil the story. <laughs> yeah. Better yet, which one of us is Weston, Divine, and Ransom? Oh, no, that's, that's going to be an Ransom audience, called that's an audience question. <laughs> called it. <laughs> I'm happy to take Divine, <laughs> the business person who's, yes, I, yeah. I will take Divine. That Actually, I think we pretty much answered that question. I think uh-huh. I'll be Weston. Uh-huh. He's, he's, he's very practical. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty obvious. Great question. Fantastic question. <laughs> I'll, I will add it as the additional listener question for today. But before we go, is there anything else you'd like to add? I just marvel again that 80 years on, um, this book still holds so much charm, so much value. Um, I think that we could go back and start all over again um, and read it. Or we could read it again at the end of the next two books and still find it really rich. And uh, although it's not Lewis's perfect work um, at all, uh, not at all bad for a potboiler first attempt at at fiction, literally 85 years ago. 1938. And uh, I think that it just really still holds so much of its original charm. So cheers to Jack for that. You know, the one thing I guess I'd say too, I guess, I know we'll have a season finale probably, and that will be much later after we do a bunch of these intermonth stuff. But really just to thank as we wrap this up here, the retrospective and the true substantial book part of this, just to thank our listeners for this journey. I remember, listeners, you don't realize, so David sent me this one time a screenshot of our we can see our active subscribers, but then they also put in subscribers and active listeners. And I was surprised the percentage of individuals that come back week after week after week to go through this. And so uh, honestly, thank you guys for joining us on this journey and sending emails, leaving comments, reviews, sending things in. David puts every single thing we receive into the singular Slack channel. So we see every single one of them. And we have a whole compiled list of this stuff. And it's really a joy to have gone on this journey and to have people provide additional thoughts we didn't think of and to stay dedicated to this and look forward to it. And when we miss a week, email us, where's the episode? (laughs) (laughs) This is a really wonderful gift. And we'll be reading out some of those messages at the season finale, which will be a couple of months away. So there's plenty of time to send us messages or write us wonderful five-star reviews on wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts. Mm -hmm. Well, and I love that the listeners have clamored for more of the Ransom Trilogy. Um, And uh, uh, yeah, I'm glad that we're going to be able to do some of that. 
Well, looking ahead, we are going to spend next month in Jack's bookshelf. We're going to be looking at the authors and the books which shaped his own mind and life and writing. And then after that, we're going to have Narnia month, where we're going to be reading The Magician's Nephew and doing a few other Narnia-related interviews. And then we'll wrap up the season with a few more unrelated interviews and then the season finale. After that, we're going to have a little break and then we're going to return and do Letters to an American Lady for season seven. And that will be a fairly mm. short season. And then after that, we're going to be returning to the stars in Paralandra in season eight. Mm, wonderful. It'll be fun. But I thought I'd end this episode by sharing a few verses of some Out of the Silent Planet poetry, which I found on the internet. It was written by Jesse E. And the whole poem is much longer, but here's a little sample. Here I walk, a wanderer alone, sojourning in a country that I cannot call home. Strangers find me unprepared and unaware. They introduce me to wonders, odd creatures, and light so fair. These creatures that give summon, yes, now I clearly see, they are not the monsters I led myself to believe. Besting the beasts, we rejoice after the strife. From afar we hear a crack, leaden, death-stole Hoy's life. I run toward the hill to climb with all my power the mountainous plateau to arrive at Hallgrave's Tower. This ogre tells me stories of worlds so far and near, and that one Thulkandra the heavens can no longer hear. But at the center of it all is just one blessed name, Meleldil the Young, the son of God, slain. Hmm. David, how about I read a uh, poem from ChatGPT that just wrote it in 10 seconds on it? <laughs> I gotta give you a little <laughs> Go bit. For it. I gotta give you a little bit. <laughs> In celestial flight to the red knight's heart, a wanderer named Ransom takes his part. On Melicandra, where strange tales start, in aliens' tongues he learns his part. Ambition fuels both Weston and Divine. In silent planets, their dark plans align. Yet gentle beings in starlight shine questions these strangers from out of time. Where Sorn stand tall and Harasa play, and Fiffletrigi sculpt in the light of day, Ransom learns a more harmonious way, in silent planets love holds sway. Out of the silent planet rings a plea for cosmic harmony, not dominance, to be. A note of hope in the vast cosmic sea, a song of life in a celestial key. That's incredible. <laughs> Literally incredible. <laughs> that was like a summary. The rhyme scheme's a little simple, but you know. Yes, for sure. <laughs> but I mean, that was what was so amazing is they actually gave a pretty good summary of it in the same time that they did that. I'm just, I'm amazed. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Well, I'll finish with a poem, having finished my scotch. Science Fiction Cradle Song by C.S. Lewis. By and by, man will try to get out into the sky, sailing far beyond the air from down and here to up and there. Stars and sky, sky and stars, make us feel the prison bars. Suppose it done. Now we ride clothed in steel up there outside. Through our portholes see the vast heavenscape go rushing past. Shall we? All that meets the eye is sky and stars, stars and sky. Points of light with black between hang like a painted scene, motionless, no nearer there than on earth, everywhere equidistant from our ship. Heaven has given us the slip. Hush, be still. Outer space is a concept, not a place. Try no more where we are never can be sky or star. From prison in a prison we fly. There's no way into the sky. That was good. I like it. Three poems to end, gentlemen. Nice. <laughs> and the audience question for this episode is, what has been your main takeaway from Out of the Silent Planet? And if you want, you can tell us who you think is Western, Divine, or Ransom. <laughs> And any of the other questions, I think. I think the Slack channel will be, will be buzzing this week. Feel free to email us, contact at or use the contact form on the website, or use social media. As I hear the call for final drinks, we'd also like to thank our audio engineer, Taylor Schroll, as well as our patron supporters. And I would like to introduce it that if 
you refer a friend who supports us on Patreon, I'm going to send you another Pints with Jack glass. So I'd love to do that. Nice. Lovely. And I said earlier that we were going to be thanking somebody extra. See if you can work out who no, I'm I already see to. it, David. <laughs> We'd like to thank all our top tier supporters. Matt one, Matt two, Matt three. Boom! <laughs> Aren't we doing a video <laughs> chat with this Matt 3? Did we say that? Because I feel like we said something like that, that a Matt 3 would get something I think extra. we promised lots of things. Well, I'll have to check. <laughs> <laughs> Who is this Matt 3? Is it our Matt? No, I didn't do no, it. No, it's not our Matt. No. The system cheap. was not cheated. This is authentic additional <laughs> donor. Is it Matthew Boland who sent us our pint of bitter, which was one of my highlights? We will find out. I just got the email okay. this morning. <laughs> ah. Anyway, we'd like to thank all three Matts, Jake, Erica, Marvin, Joelle, Deborah, Amanda, Emmy, Thomas, Bill, Joanna, Bud, Shane, Kay, Paul, Kimberly, Gillis, Gary, Stephen, Kelly, Chris, James, Kate, Peter, David, Angela, and Rowdy. We pray for all of our listeners and all the prayer requests on our Slack channel every Tuesday. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and Get ready for Jack's bookshelf. By the way, listeners, when we say we'll pray for you, you now officially have a priest blessing you. Like literally as David was saying that, he was doing a blessing. So there's this is David and I praying for you. I'm not really sure what that means, but you know, <laughs> Father Andrew doing it means a little something. <laughs> well, and listeners, may the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Mm. Amen. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and get ready for Jack's bookshelf. And please join us next time when we'll be continuing to go further up and further in. Cheers. Cheers. Prost. <laughs> <laughs>